Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are welcoming back Ryan Chikuski, uh to the show. If you've listened to uh, the podcast before, Ryan's been on a few times. Um, originally, he was on before his first attempt at the Bigfoot 200 miler. Uh, then he came back on later for episode two with him, where we he basically gave us his race report uh, and... And basically, he made it over halfway. He made it over 100 miles, and he had gangrene on his feet, and that took him out of the rest of the race. Uh, afterwards, he wrote a book called Bigfoot 200 because, you know, why the bleep not, um, about his experience during during that event. Uh, and now I'm having him back on the podcast because first of all, the book's out, so definitely check that out. It's on Amazon, anywhere you find books. You'll see a a nice little quote on the top from uh from someone really super duper cool, <laughs> uh, and you can Google that and check it out. Uh, but I was super stoked as soon as I saw the cover of his book. Um, and now he's back on because it's just this is just goes into the mindset of the man, right? Like the Bigfoot 200 defeats you, um, it defeats your feet, right? And it destroys him, and he's not able. Some people probably just turned off the podcast when I said defeats your feet. Um, and I gotta say, man, dad jokes. I just had another kid four days ago, another daughter, another beautiful daughter, and um, the dad jokes are just gonna be amplified. I don't know what to tell you guys, <laughs> uh, but anyways, he was. <laughs> Ryan, um, I, I love his mindset because he's defeated, destroyed by the Bigfoot 200. And instead of backing down and being like, like, I'm never doing that again, right? Instead of doing that, he basically stepped up to something even more ridiculously challenging. And so now this year he's doing the triple crown of 200s. We'll get into what that is. Uh, Candace Burt, who's a wonderful race director. Um, it's all three of her big, gigantic 200-mile races um, all in one year. And they're all in about they're all about a month apart. So you do Bigfoot 200, then Tahoe 200, then Moab 240. Um, and so Ryan is taking those on. He's kind of hopefully, as I root for him throughout that the ultra running season this summer um, and next fall, Hopefully he's on like this revenge tour, right? Like where he's stepping up to, first of all, he's stepping back up to the race uh, that he had the DNF and he's, he's going to be able to, to put a, put together the perfect race and, and get that thing finished. Um, and then after that, just sweet, sweet revenge by hopefully conquering the other two. Uh, so I'm super excited to follow his story. I think training wise, um, it's really interesting to me. There's all sorts of different methods people are going about training. In this episode, Ryan's going to talk about how he trained the first time versus how he's training now and how it's changed as he's talked to more and more people in this community and how um, and after, of course, he experienced part of the race for himself. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. We go into training. We go into what his experience. He ended up volunteering at Bigfoot 200 last year, was one of the aid station um, aid station workers, aid station chiefs, putting that together. Uh, yeah, and we just kind of get into it. This one's all about 200s, guys. I hope you enjoy. I still can't wrap my head around one. That's going to be the common theme on uh, whenever we talk to people who do 200-mile races. The common theme is going to be me saying... I can't wrap my head around this. Like, please try to help me understand this event. <laughs> but I do, I will say everyone I've talked to who has competed in one of these um, has absolutely 100% loved it and 100% have recommended it to everyone they possibly can. Uh, and that just goes to show about, um, about this experience that the destination trails team really is able to put together. And it's impressive to me as an outsider right now, right? Like as someone who hasn't even thought of these, let alone attended one um, in any sort of fashion, like it just sounds like they do a really 
excellent job. So, anywho, uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying the last uh, few episodes. A lot of them recently have been really ultra running themed. Um, and, you know, as I start trying to build up my miles and hopefully get my training down uh, with the big life adjustment of being uh, dad to girl daughter beautiful lady number three um i'm definitely t drawing some inspiration off of the people i'm chatting with uh who are showing me like it is possible whatever you put your mind to is possible um it's just something you have to commit to and have to kind of figure out and right now i'm super committed to being an awesome dad uh but i also have some athletic things i want to get accomplished too um and I, as I learn the balance between these two, right? Like obviously the kids are going to be a million times more important to me than the athletic thing. But that doesn't mean I, with a little kind of like self-sacrifice, right? Like s sacrifice some time where I would have been spent watching TV or, or sleeping a little bit extra. Like I will be able to get, um, the athletic stuff I want to get done finished too. Um, so yeah, anyways, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. <laughs> uh, go back and check out Ryan's other episodes. Like I said, he's been on three other times. One time he was on the Bigfoot sightings number three. And before that, you can hear his race report and uh, his previous uh, kind of like iteration of his 200 mile training in the very first episode and then his race report in the second episode he was on so all right let's get into it um this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 135 with ryan chikuski all right well let's get into it i won't mess right. your name up this time i like <laughs> felt such like residual guilt since that one. And it was so funny because it was after we had already recorded our first episode together. And I, yep. came up, I was like, oh my God, what a jackass I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's get into it. So uh, welcome to the podcast today, guys. Um, I'm super pumped. I am really thankful to be able to welcome back Ryan Chikuski to the show. Uh, and Ryan, like, I just want to talk all things 200s today. Yeah. And I figured you'd be a good guy to do that because you've kind of like, you've done a lot of research on 200s. You've, you know, our last episode together, you talked about your attempt where you got like, I would say over halfway and then realized you were getting a uh, gangrene on your foot. Which is <laughs> uh, and then since then you volunteered at the Bigfoot 200, mm -hmm. uh, you, your book came out. Um, mm -hmm we can talk about too and now you're signed up for the triple crown which is uh <laughs> crazy man it's where you run all of candace's races in one summer so it's tahoe 200 bigfoot 200 and then moab which is 240 so <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah man how's that yeah, how did that feel the day you signed up for the triple crown yeah, and well, and the way it came about too actually was um, uh, we got it, it felt it felt crazy, I, I suppose, because the plan was already in place, and then you know uh, Bigfoot opened up. I went out there. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But um, so that was kind of getting right back into it, like being out there, and part of it again just jazzed me up like completely over the whole thing. But uh, then the opportunity came up that uh, that I could do the triple, and I talking to Megan. <laughs> about it i was very scared to go talk to her about it <laughs> yeah yeah um, but uh she really bought into it and i don't know why <laughs> why yeah so yeah talking to your wife getting her kind of you know into the whole thing like that has to be like an intimidating conversation to to have well and it was because you know she was already like you know i went up to bigfoot and she knew i was going to be doing bigfoot again and so she was already kind of giving me grief about that. But then she's just, I, I don't know. She's just like, well, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it now. And then I think she's, she wants to come to Tahoe. So she's, I, I think she's excited to come out to Tahoe as well. There you go. Um, so that's, uh, I think that's a big key piece too. So we can make a little vacation out of that too. Yeah. Um, but it was really intimidating when I first thought about it. But then, because you know, it's back to back to back. You're doing all this in, in you know, what essentially eight weeks. And, uh, I, 
I don't know. I just, and I thought about my last attempt, but then I'd been, you know, I've been reading other people's accounts and then other 200s that are popping up all over the place. And I just said, you know what? No, like I could, let's do this. Like, yeah. and, and Megan's right. Like, let's do it now. Um, and just, you know, I don't know, be done. So I, I think I've become 200 obsessed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I just am. I'm like completely obsessed with it now. So yeah, man. Well, I mean, I definitely want to talk to you about the training a bit, but from what I've been told from people who have attempted that or have been training for it and stuff is they think the whole like doing a 200 is the training for the next one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I kind of, that's, that's kind of what I've been doing, right? That's why I was having a couple of months of testing myself, pushing as far as I can go, like seeing how many miles I can go. And I'm telling myself I'm training for the next week. That's what I've just kind of been doing. And I've been treating my, I've been treating it like, uh, uh, kind of just like that. Yeah, you're right. Like Bigfoot's going to be training for Tahoe. Tahoe is going to be training for Moab. Yeah, like that kind of thing. So, and it's Moab, you get done and then you can just, you know, then you have permission to die. So, <laughs> then you need six months for your body to recover. Or something. Right. right. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So we were just talking before we started recording about the, uh, the whole running on the treadmill thing. Cause that's kind of the majority of your Minnesotan miles right now. Yeah. Um, ugh, movies, you know, I, I watched the entire Marvel cinematic universe. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm at home with the baby right now. We just had a newborn and my wife, she was, she, I took the baby and then she went and slept a little bit yesterday and she walked down. She's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I'm watching the Avengers. And she's like, the new one. I'm like, no, I'm watching the original, the first Avengers. That's the one I'm on right now. I'm no way. 30, yeah. I'm 30 minutes into, I, I did all the phase three stuff and then the phase two. And then I went back to, I did. Oh, so you're going backwards. Yep. Yep. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Cause it's going to get jazzed up for infinity wars or well end game. Sorry. The, yeah. The next one, man, it's going to yep. be sweet, but that's, that's hilarious, man. You know, you're an ultra runner when you can watch the entire Marvel series in like what, two months or something on a treadmill. I think I watched it in a month. <laughs> I, just, I decided that I was going to set a, I was going to set a, a, my, my minimum was going to be a hundred miles a week. Okay. Was going to be my Jeez. minimum. Yeah. And so I've, I've crushed past that. So I've gotten almost, it was like almost 500 miles in January. Wow. And I'm, today's the last day in February, right? So yeah. I've got a 16 miler I'm going to do here. And that'll put, I did 14 this morning. So I split them up. Some of them I split up. So um, that should put me like 480 for the month. So. <laughs> Dude. So do you have a treadmill at your house? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, if you're going to a gym and they're like, this guy is just on the treadmill for 24 hours a day, it seems like. <laughs> and he's watching something on his iPad. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps shouting out, Dr. Strange, you're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. It's, uh, we'll see if I burn the engine out of this thing. I've done that before. So um. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. Well, and some people have told me that they're like, because I can't do treadmill, man. It's probably been four. No, it's been about three years. But even like going 30 minutes on a treadmill seems like three hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, and people yeah. tell me it's like mental training almost too, which is a huge aspect of running a 200-mile race, I have to imagine. Sure. You know, I look at it the same way. You're right. Because if I can, if I can sit and run on a treadmill for like six hours, I can uh, get me on the trails with a view. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's exactly. gonna be yeah it'll be a lot easier so uh, and i've done that before i've done that kind of training before too uh the most i did 42 miles on a treadmill once like three years ago so Dang. i just one plug like yeah. i watched the i watched the yeah, lord of the rings trilogy <laughs> <laughs> you're just so, like i need to watch the longest movies ever yep yeah yeah no i understand man so i, I that's kind of what i wanted to dig into at first is you signed up for the triple crown mm -hmm. um i remember i talked to you originally on our very first podcast together it was two years ago and it was about this time like about mm -hmm. February, March, um, and you're training for Bigfoot. And so how has your training, how is it different from that initial time? 
Uh, yeah. And it, it's not too much different. It's just that. So like, you know, I was doing some of that exhaustion training where I was like running all night and then like sleeping for a little bit, going to work, running at lunch and that kind of thing. I, I'm not doing quite that yet. I will get to more of that later on as it gets closer. Um, but what uh, the, I guess the one thing that's changed is more, I've I, more focused training. I'm not just doing time on feet. I'm doing vert and, you know, trying to as much as possible, getting, getting my inclines and then doing more, uh, lower body workouts too. Okay. Um, just really, really building my, uh, my leg strength, um, as far as that goes. And I wasn't doing a whole lot of that last time. Yeah. What, what was the inspiration to change up the training in that sense? You know, I was talking or not talking, I was reading some stuff with uh, Tony Cowden, who's one of the guys that's featured in the Bigfoot 200 book. Yeah. And he's a, he's a squatter. That's what he's a lifter. And that's what he does. And uh, I ran into him again at Bigfoot this last year. And then he, he, he ended up getting sick there. And so he couldn't finish, but then he turned right around and he went out and did Moab and he finished Moab. And, uh, but I mean, his training was, he just does a lot of lower body training. He doesn't do a lot of running at yeah. all. And so, you know, I got to thinking about that and then thinking about like the lack of running that I did at Bigfoot as well. Like you're not running, you're yeah. climbing and you're just, and you know, I just remember that's the one thing is like, it's just your legs and your back. And so just more of that focus, I think. Yeah. So are you doing more squats or like, what does a gym workout or a strength training workout look like for you? Yeah. So it's one thing I do. One thing I like to do is on an elliptical, I have, I have this elliptical that does incline. So it goes more to like a stair master thing yeah. and then crank and crank the resistance on it. And then just do like, it would be almost essentially like speed workouts on that. Like, uh, like five minutes of just all out hardcore and then a minute of like rest and then five minutes of all out hardcore. And that just burns everything. <laughs> I can't, it, I can hardly walk. Um, I've got a rower the rower has been really good, um, on my, for, for like glutes and things like that. And then your base, yeah, your squats and, uh, calf lifts and things like, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. I think a lot of people going into a 200 come from what you came from, which is like doing a hundred mile races, like, mm -hmm. and, and it seems like there's such different events. And I feel like, I think over the last couple of years, people have started learning how to train for these 200s a little bit better like that. Yeah. Like realistically, you're right. Like you're not going to be running a lot of it, right? Like what percentage of a 200 mile race do you think most people are running? And obviously most, you have, yeah. you have some people like, you know, like Courtney DeWalter yeah. who's running like the whole entire thing. You know what I mean? But what, like yeah. most people, like the average person. Yeah, those of us that aren't superhuman, um, <laughs> if you if you break it down and look at the averages, people are averaging like seventeen minute paces. Yeah. So little to none. I mean, it, I I would say if you had to break it down, maybe maybe ten percent. Okay. And you're not all, and that's not just all out running. That's just you know you might be at a casual jog or something like that. Yeah. And and I just remember, I know, I just remember for me too at at Bigfoot, it was more so to just kind of like shake out my legs kind of thing was why I wanted to run a little bit. Just, uh, get, just like change of pace. Yeah. Get the blood flowing a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. Like a change of like your running gait too. Yeah. That's yep. cool. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Cause I, I've also read that a lot of people who are successful are people who are coming from like, uh, the long distance backpacking kind of, of, mm -hmm background like people who have done the appalachian trail or the pacific crest trail or whatever like they're the people who are able to go out there for four days and really i mean they're still pushing their limits though like i mean it's oh. still 50 miles a day and that's like an incredible amount even for people who I, I mean people backpacking it seems to be like 20 mile days to 30 mile days you know for them so yeah. And you're right. I mean, you're right. That is where you're seeing some of that success come from. And I think that's also, that's why what I, what I really like about Candace's races too, is that she doesn't have any qualifiers. She got, I mean, she's not going to, she's not going to tell you, you have to have ran, you know, three 100 mile races. If you think you're going to do this, she doesn't do that because the understanding behind it is there's, there's no, there's no such thing as a qualifier yeah. <laughs> for, for a 200 because it's something that you just, yeah, there's some people going into it I, and I've, well, heck, I've met a few of them. I, I've met a handful of them. Never did an alt, never did even an ultra marathon before they did 
one of the two hundreds. Yeah. So <laughs> when you were asking them questions about that, what was their kind of like justification? Like why, why did they want to, even though they're like, I've never even ran an ultra, but now I'm going to try this like epic adventure. Like what was their reasoning? Um, for, I know for the couple, uh, it was a joke because they were listening to a podcast with, uh, I think that Candace was on and they were joking with each other and saying like, we should do this. Ha 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 ha. And then as a joke, like they signed, like the one signed the other one up. And so that kind of how that, how that went. Um, I know, uh, Garrett, um, who I, who I ran with or I was ran with, who I was with quite a bit for Bigfoot, his, he had never done more than a 5k and his whole thing was just, he, he, he heard about it and he thought this sounds like absolutely insane. So okay sign me up sign me up and then becca she wanted her first hundred to just be part of a 200 <laughs> so she, that was her so you know what there might be something to say about that because you would be like i don't even want to know how i feel after 100 miles you know because if 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 like someone finished a 100 miler and felt terrible that might be the thing that stops them from signing up for a 200 mile because they're like man i remember i could like barely walk at 100 miles like how am i gonna yeah too yeah well exactly exactly so it's just jumping in i don't know you just jump in without feeling the water yeah <laughs> just, yeah man so what else anything else has changed i mean obviously um you're on dad mode now you got the little mm-hmm. one running around the house or crawling around the house or whatever he's doing yeah is he running he well he he thinks he can <laughs> <laughs> and then he just flops he'll he'll be running soon enough though yeah, but he uh, he likes to come. Well, and we haven't been with the winter we've had. It's been just an absolute. Minnesota has been horrible. Yeah, tons of snow dumped on us, and so we haven't been able to get him outside much. But he'll be excited once spring comes around. He likes going out with me running, and he'll go out. Oh my goodness, he goes. What did he? He was up to twenty seven miles. We went last oh fall. God. Yeah, in the stroller. Well, we have a we have a kid runner. Um, one you put around your waist and it pulls behind you what hold on yeah let me look up this guy kid runner. yeah kid runner yep okay yeah it's uh it's came out recent in the last year or so and i was part of the second phase like marketing of it so no way man yeah what? you see it, oh, you it. See? yeah uh-huh yeah that's awesome dude yeah my parents bought it for me um after kian was born so <laughs> yeah that's so much better than a stroller so essentially you're like yeah, you're right. You have like a weight belt almost strapped around your waist. And then there's this uh, care. It's kind of like those bikers. Like if you're yep. ever seen those bike riders and the, the little carriage they're pulling behind them. Yeah, it's super light. Um, uh, uh, Keen can be in there up to 50 pounds up till when he's 50 pounds. So, you know, for a while. And then, uh, but it's super light and it's got good shock absorption. You can use it on trails, everything. Yeah. Um, so he just sits in there and we got a little fan to put in there for hot days. So the fan will blow on him and uh, he'll either nap or he'll eat or he'll just play with, you know, his little toys in there and stuff. And he just, he loves it. That's awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah. Do you, when you go out with the kid runner, are you like staying near your house on loops or are you just going for it? We started um, staying by the house. Yeah. And I also started with Megan running with me. So oh, she yeah. could kind of, so she could see him, you know, and then we just graduated up to no, we'll go miles away. That's awesome. Yep. That's cool. Cause I always remember taking my oldest daughter for a walk and I would do this cool, like I would go for a run in Virginia and then I would take her on a walk as soon as I got home for like four extra miles and it was super hilly and crazy, but we inevitably always get halfway. Like as soon as I hit this certain tree that was halfway in the walk, she would start crying like every single time. I'm like, Oh my God, dude, you couldn't have cried like 10 minutes ago when we were close to the house. <laughs> there was one time when Megan and I were both out and we were probably, Oh, five or six miles. And he did start having a meltdown. And yeah. we thought we, we just, we, we stopped for a few minutes and we just had that quick conversation where Megan says, how do your legs feel? Can you run home and get the car quick? <laughs> and, I, and he ended up calming down, which was good. But I was, yeah. Yeah, I was getting ready to like, all right, you take him. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. How else has he kind of changed your, your running life? Uh, he's cha- a big part is that Megan and I aren't able to run together yeah. as, as much. Um, 
That's except, I mean, with the except, and that's just because, well, work schedules get in the way of that too. But um, Megan's toned down some of her running as well. She's not doing much um, as far as uh, wanting to be too competitive anymore with running. So, which is perfectly fine, of course. But uh, uh, I try, you know, it's probably just more so it's changed when I, my routine as to when I usually would run. Yeah. You know, you got to get you like getting up. I'm not actually much of a morning runner, like, but now getting up in the morning, early yeah. in the morning to run. Cause once he's up and then, and then running during his, his schedule, it's like running on his schedule instead of mine on the yeah. weekends, you got to wait till he goes down for a nap and then run. And then, you know, yeah. Wake up at four in the morning or whatever. Wake up at four in the morning. Yeah. That kind of man. Thing, it's so. tough to roll out of bed. And I try to do like, I wake up at four, but then I try to be out the door by four 30. Um, and man, just like, it's not even like you can't warm up. Like the warm up has to be that first mile of feeling terrible. Basically. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a morning and that's the thing. I'm a morning person. Yeah. I'm just not a morning runner. <laughs> oh dude. Like, it's a billion like, times better to just wake up, go downstairs, read a book, drink a cup of coffee. Like that's a so much better way of waking up than waking up and instantly like chugging water really quick to try to get hydrated and then try to run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ideally if I could run like every day around this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like perfect. I don't know. <laughs> and like every once in a while you get one of those days that you can do that and you're like, dude, I'm a champion. Like I could be an <laughs> Olympic champion. You're like, <laughs> you're, you're so pumped. You're like, I'm the best runner of all time. <laughs> At least that's how I feel when I'm able to go at like 10 in the morning instead of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. So is he coming too? like, you guys are planning these three major trips and like, yeah, I mean, I got so, I got a lot of questions about all the, the triple crown. So I guess the yeah. first, one, like, are you guys flying out? Are you driving? Are you taking like the whole summer to commit to this? Or are you going to just fly out for those weekends? Yeah. So, um, a lot of, a bunch of different things have changed. And I guess maybe I'll start with me just kind of rewind to last year when I volunteered at Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, cause I just, cause that's kind of where it all started. My, uh, I knew I, I found out that if I could, if, if I would go out and volunteer and be the aid state aid station captain at one of the aid stations, then I get free entry. And so that just appealed to me like crazy, you know, yeah. number one, cause I get to go out there again. And it's, it, that was kind of the selling point to Megan too. Cause you know, it's like oh, a couple hundred bucks for a plane ticket versus, you know, $1,200 for the entry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, um, but my, my, uh, my dad came out with me and he, he'd gone to one of my ultras before way back in the day, a 50 miler, um, but really didn't do much else with me. And that man fell in love with 200 miles. Really? Yes. Just, I mean, I, whatever it was, maybe it was the, the location or whatever, but running that aid station, we were out there for like, you know, two and a half days straight. Um, cause we were at, we were at mile 92 and so and it was a sleep station. So it was a very heavy, I mean, like very heavy populated aid station, lots of action going on. And, uh, just that atmosphere. He, he was talking to like other ultra runners and everything. And he just fell in love with this, with the, this 200 thing. He like is also obsessed with it. So we're one after we're all said and done and we were uh, last night staying there. We're in the, we're in a hotel that we were staying in just outside of Seattle. And he's just like, all right, here's what we're doing next year. I'm, get, <laughs> I'm getting an RV and we're going to drive out there and we're going to load up all of the stuff that you need. So we don't have to depend on the aid stations for sleeping or anything. And it's going to be you and me and your mom and Megan and Kian. And we're going to make this big trend. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like this is fantastic. And so now I'm really excited to come home and tell Megan about that. And Megan says, Oh, I have to go back to Bigfoot. <laughs> well, man, after reading your book, I mean, Megan's chapters in your book were my favorite parts because yes. it was the insanity of the crew, which you don't usually get from like, if, I mean, I'm sure you can read race reports online, but to hear it from someone who was the, the sole crew member and just like driving over hundreds and hundreds of miles to these yeah. stations to wait for hours and hours for like a five minute, like, Hey, good job. All right. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100, you know, to be honest with you too, because uh, 
being able to be on the other end of that volunteering and, and at the aid station, it was so cool being able to interact with the, all the runners and to see that perspective of what we're like when we come zombie walking into like the aid stations. We had no issues with any runners at all. They were wonderful. We had more issues with crews. Really? <laughs> yeah. Crabby, tired crews who, you know, and one guy in particular. So when you come into this aid station that we work at, you get your food and then you go straight out to, the, to, to your left and the trailhead is right there. Um, well, he parked in front of the trailhead. So, you, so there's, yeah, I mean, like the runners that have to like go around into this bush and stuff to like get into the trailhead. So I just walked over to ask him kindly to move his car back like 10 feet. And he's like, I'll move my car back as soon as that car right there moves. And he's pointing at my car <laughs> that's parked in a, that's parked in a, like, you know, a parking spot. <laughs> and I said, well, that's my car. And then he pulls out a machete. What? Not, at, not at me. I gotta, I gotta I just throw that out there. He didn't like pull it out at me and be like, ha, ah, I'm going to get you with this machete, but he pulls out this machete and I'm like, what are you doing with that machete, man? Dude, this is and a total power move, power move. Yo, sure. Oh yeah. And he's got this big piece of wood that he's been holding. He starts chopping it. He's like, I'm <laughs> making a walking stick for my runner. And I had to tell him, I said, your runner's <laughs> going to get disqualified if you don't move. <laughs> Cause you know, we can be, we can be DQ'd for our crew. Yeah, our crew has to behave too. But yeah, he was insane, man. He's just yeah. that's nuts, dude. Let me just yeah. pull out this machete. Real was he like chopping it, but like making eye contact with you at the same time? So he's so he's now after this interaction, he moves his car back, and he did. It was him and me, or it was me and my dad and this other lady who was helping us out. And he's, I mean, it was death eyes at us <laughs> as he's chopping this thing for fifteen minutes. You know, like just <laughs> oh. I had a hard time concentrating. <laughs> That's awesome. What what were your responsibilities as a aid station captain? So I had to recruit the people, all the people to work there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then so and I got I had someone come from the UK. Whoa, so, really? Yeah. Yep. He had someone that that he knew that was running, so he came and volunteered. Um, then a couple of people who had gotten injured that were going to run, but they got injured. Um, then my dad, and then. Um, I threw some feelers, you know, I just threw, there, there's a, uh, there was a Facebook site and I just threw some feelers out there and then just got people on there. I had like seven or eight people that were working there. Yeah. That's cool. Were they there the whole two and a half days? My, me, my dad, um, a guy named Dave and this gal, I can't remember her name. We were the four that were there the whole time. Okay. We, we were the four of us set it all up, tore it all down. We were there from the beginning to the end of it. Everyone yeah. else came kind of inner you had to have four people there at all times that that's the, awesome how many i mean i don't know if you know the answer to this question but how many people does it take to put on a 200 miler like how many people are either volunteering or working for candace like i feel like it has to be a lot but i really don't have any idea yeah some of the volunteers um hop aid stations because they go to the first yeah. ones and then they close down and they'll go to the next but i mean yeah. you gotta you gotta think there's gotta be at least I mean, at least a hundred people. Yeah. At least. Wow. I mean, yeah. Cause you got, I mean, every, you got your, I mean, uh, um, there's the, what is, what am I looking for? The, the radio guys, like yeah. you've got the whole team of radio guys, you've got the medics, you've got the uh, aid station volunteers, you've got the drivers, you've got the home base people, you've got the start line people. I mean, it's, you've got the people who can do the running, you know, you know, emergency, we need stuff here kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Wow, man. It's so much for her to coordinate. I think that's one of the most impressive feats in like race directing, if not the most impressive, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Krista Sager's her uh, head um, employee for Destination Trail and does all the, she's the volunteer coordinator. Um, She, her and I were talking a little bit ago and she was saying how she someday needs to put together a book on what it's been like, because she's right there with Candace and uh, does all of can like does all the work with Candace on her destination trail, just not just the two hundreds, but all of her other races. Too. Yeah, because they're running. Does she like at the same time of a two hundred miler? Is she doing other distances as well? I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, because I know she yeah. does a Mount St Helens race, like a forty miler. They all she combined them all now. So um, okay. this year was the first year where it was because I ran the Bigfoot twenty. Yeah, uh, when I was out there, uh, so she does the twenty. 
the 40, the 100K, and the 200 all at the same time. And she does the same with Tahoe now, too. That's does all, man. Yeah. Oh, that was something, man. I mean, just to watch that, like, how that played out, just being everyone's at the start line, you know, at the same time. And just all these people and getting that to go, that's magic. That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, so you have that experience and mm-hmm. while you're doing it, is there, how is it different from running the Bigfoot 200? Like, is it, I'm sure they're both eye-opening, but is it eye-opening in a different way? Like, did you learn any lessons from the people you saw coming through your aid station? Yeah. I mean, for the, I, I think so. I just, I, I, I want to just say it was more of a humbling experience just to understand what, you know, what it can be like. And, and just to understand the psyche of the runner, because when you are the runner, you don't necessarily get into that as much with other people, but just to see like the different attitudes that came through. But no, I mean, I don't know if I really learned anything too much from that. I just, I just really liked being involved and seeing that end of it because I respect those aid station workers so much. Um, if they weren't out there, you know, that's tough for us. And I've done unsupported races before and they're not as fun. Um, It's nice having every 20 miles or so or however far apart they are, but let's, it's just nice seeing some smiling people and some people who are helping you out. Yeah. I feel, I felt bad. We couldn't help more. We unfortunately had one night that it was very, very cold and raining the whole time, like downpour. And the tents were wet. The sleeping bags were, I mean, everything was wet. Nobody could stay warm. We couldn't keep the heaters like running. It was just, it was a nightmare. And we were opening up our cars to people to just like sit in. And so just trying to get, you know, but mostly that was like, all right, you know what? This is probably not a good time to stop. You guys should probably just keep, you know, that's kind of a motive. Like get, get moving, get moving. You're not going to stay warm here. (laughs) Yeah. So. Wow, man. That's And I, it, it's just so I, I was thinking about this the other day I watched this video and maybe you've seen it at this point but um it was from ultra running uh or ultra I don't know how to say their their shoes you know what I'm talking about ultra ultra with an a <laughs> ultra with an a it's with ultra yeah. with an a and it was this guy named Ben Light and he yeah. ran the Wasatch 100 and then got on a plane and flew to tahoe 200 like a day after it had already started mm-hmm. and did the ran the whole tahoe 200 and man as i was watching it i was like why is this so fascinating because it was <laughs> i was just so fascinated by it. i'm like why am i so fascinated by this guy and just watching this guy suffer and struggle and somehow keep like limping forward i'm like this is what captures my imagination about ultra running is like this guy is in the most amount of pain he's probably ever been in. And yet he's still slowly moving forward and he like ultimately finishes and the the whole <laughs> destination trail teams there supporting him and all that stuff. I talked to him. Uh, I met him at Bigfoot uh, last this last year and he came, he was hanging out at my aid station for a little while. He had his camera crew out there cause they were doing some interviews and stuff pre prior to all this before he was yeah. doing that. Not only is it, why is this so fascinating to watch that video? Dude, I watched his tracker yeah. <laughs> for both those races 24-7. I had him on my phone, like, watching him crawl at, like, a two-mile-an-hour pace. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right. We have this, like, I don't know what it is, but it's just, like, this, it's so intriguing to, like, watch this supper fest. And to just try to understand what it is about a person that makes them want to do something like that. But I, yeah. And I think part of it might be like, this is a self-induced suffering. Like if you told me I was going to watch a video of someone and they were suffering and it was like horrible and all this stuff, like I probably wouldn't do it. But this is like, oh, this guy wants to do this. And he's like, he's on this adventure and this kind of like quest, but it's completely just demolishing him right now. And it's, it is an interesting thing to watch as, as I was, as he was finishing, I'm like, man, is this like messed up that I'm even like enjoying this? (laughs) You know, Um, the answer has, the answer has to be yes. I have to sell books, Chris. Oh yeah. It is messed up. Yeah, man. Enjoy it. Cause I mean, at the end of the, like, it's the thing you tell yourself though, I have to imagine is just like, Hey, you signed up for this. Like, this is what you want to do. And you wanted to have these moments where you're going to have this struggle. Like no one goes into ultra running thinking, 
everything's going to go perfect today. And I'm not going to feel any pain. Like no one. Yeah. Thinks, you know. No one. No, absolutely not. You just can't. You would be, if, if I ever heard that from anyone, I'd, I don't know. You say, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So let's hear a little bit about, because, you know, at this point it's, it's interesting talking to you now because you did Bigfoot and then you interviewed all these people about their races as you wrote the book. So you like heard all of their experiences and now you also volunteer at this aid station. So you're like in this 200 mile community. Um, and I feel like you have a lot of knowledge about it. So what's kind of like, what do people say about those three races? Like what are the differences between Bigfoot, Tahoe and Moab? Here's, here's how I've done. And I, and I, and you know what, Candace, if you're listening to this ever, you can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I've always kind of put it. I, I think I learned this from Candace. I would say Bigfoot's the toughest. Tahoe's the fastest. Moab's the, the longest. No, the <laughs> longest. Yep, is the longest. You see people finish Moab quicker than they finish Bigfoot. Really? Yep. Um, and so, because and Candace had told me at last year, she had said, um, if you wanted something a little lighter, <laughs> Do, to- do Tahoe next time instead of Bigfoot. Um, I would go with that, except for I've got a major, major sense of revenge on Bigfoot that I need to go yeah. out and get. So, but no, that's, that's how I would say it. Um, um, and that's how I've heard it described as well. Uh, it's yeah. just, the, yeah, because you've got the, I mean, it's just the terrain of Bigfoot is insane, com- you know, in comparison. Um, but yeah, Moab is just the longest. And so, yeah. But yeah, so for the other two, um, if Megan does end up coming with me, we'll fly out to Tahoe and do that whole thing. Um, probably spend a little extra time out there. Otherwise, I'm going solo to Moab. Are you, man? Yep. So, nice, dude. Are you any chance you're coming through the Denver area? Like flying into Denver? Or are you flying to like Salt Lake? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. I haven't All right. The- so sweet you know. man uh dude okay so tahoe like what are you expecting going into that race like you i don't know i guess first of all you right now in your mind are you only thinking about bigfoot because it, you're like i have to get through this one first that is a great question if you had visual all you yeah. people listening inside in the cyber world right to my right here is a giant poster of the bigfoot course map <laughs> yes and so big so the answer is yes right now bigfoot is the i'm in my the course guides are right here on my desk but i've got little post-it notes on each aid station and i continually write down i'm taking notes as i am like preparing i'll probably start doing that for tahoe in a couple of months so this yeah. room that i'm in right now is going to have three large posters on the wall in each of the maps of yeah the courses but yeah i'm focused in because I'm, I guess I'm also going, I don't, I'm not usually like that. I don't usually look at course maps or do any of that kind of stuff, but I want to this time because I just want to be smarter about it and just know, I mean, I suffered through the desolation zone last time with no water, you know, I don't want to run into that again. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm really focused on that Tahoe. I'm actually, to be honest with you, if I, if I'm thinking about it, I expect Tahoe to maybe be the, not because it's the easiest, but I expect it to be easier because I'll have Bigfoot under my belt already. And I know that I've got Moab sitting out there on the horizon. Yeah. So I think maybe that one I'll just enjoy more. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. maybe. Well, people talk about, you know, if you get Bigfoot under your belt, like that's incredible training for the next one. So yeah. basically there's a month in between each race. So it's like you do Bigfoot. And I, some people I talked to were like, yeah, I barely even ran that next month because like, just you have to like the recovery part is so key to actually being successful at this. Oh, yeah. Well, even after Bigfoot, you know, when you talk about training for the next one, even after Bigfoot that first time, my next I ran a I did a hundred miler in December that year and without doing much of anything different or whatnot between Bigfoot and, and then that race, I tore that hundred up, just yeah. <laughs> destroyed it because I was so trained like yeah. so it was kind of you i mean you're right once you get that under your belt you're trained you you can do it you know you can that's yeah. it Men- mentally and physically you're you're good to go that's my thought on it anyways and i've heard that from other people too so 
Yeah. When you've talked to other people who have completed these, what do they say about the sleep deprivation part? Like how do how what's the various strategies to handle that? Well, some people have, I mean, some people will swear by the fact that you don't want to sleep for more than 20 minutes at a time, yeah. but they'll just yeah. spread that out a little bit. A lot of trail sleepers then, <laughs> you know, they just find a little nook on the side of the trail and take a little nap. But the sleep deprivation is probably the, the hardest when it gets later into the race. Um, um, but they don't, I don't know. No one really talks too much about it being like a huge thing. Um, other than just crazy, you know, hallucinations and stuff, but having a pacer, I think, and, or having someone else with you is really helpful for that. Yeah. Are you going to be able to have a pacer or are you just going to kind of try to rely on like the people who are running the same kind of pace as you? That's probably what I'm going to have to do unless yeah. there, I mean, there might be a chance that dragon might come out with me to, to one of them, but it, I mean, we'll have to see. And then, cause they let you pace for like at starting at like mile 50. That's what I was wondering. So, so the Pacer technically could run 150 miles with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I met a dude. I met a, before I ran Bigfoot when I was I was running the Superior 100 here in Minnesota, and I was already signed up for Bigfoot that following year. But he had said, "Oh yeah, that's going to be a great race." I paced my buddy, and I said, "Oh, what'd you pace him for?" He said, "152 miles." <laughs> I said, "Why didn't you just sign up for the race?" Yeah. What? <laughs> well, that's crazy. My friend Thomas ran Bigfoot a couple of years ago, and he. He said his biggest strategy as it pertained to sleeping was exactly what you just said. He's like, you got to sleep on the trail. Like, don't, he, he's like, I had to like sleep on the trail because I wouldn't get comfortable. So I would just get the amount of sleep I needed. I wouldn't ever get like so comfortable. I slept longer. Um, or like, you know, you wake up from a trail nap. I'm assuming you're like, let's get moving again. Cause that trail nap kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's probably quieter too, because it's very noisy at the aid stations. Yeah. And the other thing is too, then you have to be like, well, I'm going to sleep when I get to this aid station, but your body's not going to agree with you. Yeah. I'm on the trail. I'm in the, you know, I'm on a 18 mile stretch between one aid station and the next and I'm dog tired, lay down and sleep when you can do it and then sleep and then move. Cause once I get to the aid station, there's people around, people are, you know, saying, you know, now I'm not tired. Anymore. Now yeah. I just want to get moving again. So, yeah, man, that's cool. Uh, I think I, people. I remember out- the, fir- the, the first time, it's, the first time I slept, it was pretty easy for me because I was tired. But the second time uh, that I was tried to, I just laid there, and I should have just gotten up and kept moving. But yeah, yeah. Well, so okay, so let's talk a little bit about the book. Like, how's that going? Um, first of all, I have to say, when you sent me the cover, and it was the quote from that I sent you. And it says Chris Ward like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh-huh. I was like, what? I was like, what is going on? This is so cool. And like, I was just, I don't know, I was super honored. And I don't know, it's just one of those weird, crazy things starting this podcast has kind of led to um, that was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. So thank you, man. That was really, it meant a lot to me. I don't even know if, if like you did that intentionally or whatever. I did. I, it was done intentionally. Me in the, in the, um, editors and then the the publisher we were talking about like what would look good and i just thought that was the best i mean it was, it was the best line to put right on the front there yeah so because i mean obviously martin dugard new york times best-selling author you know endorses the book <laughs> one might think like slap that on the front cover but it, it, what he said was great about the book i mean it was awesome it was so cool to get his endorsement but it didn't capture like what let's you know open your eyes to what is possible you know yeah. that kind of thing that's so, cool man. especially and this is the first book on a 200 you know so like we want to make sure that we're yeah drawing people's attention to it so you got a hardcover copy right i think yeah i have it yeah it's right out in my living okay. room yeah i busted yeah. it out the other day yeah, it's no it's <laughs> Yeah, it's such a hard, uh, that hard cover. I mean, the soft covers are nice, but the hard covers is pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, man. It so has like to be that, so but, cool. But no, it has to be so cool just having your, like, the thing you worked on, like, in your hands finally. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it was such a different process this time around because um, my other two books that I just self published, you're in complete control of everything. And in this, you're just like, you're not, you, they, they, the editors send you stuff and they're like, approve this, don't approve this, do this. And then it goes back to them and you don't hear anything for like two months. And you're just like, Hey man, what's going on with my book? <laughs> and they're like, don't worry. And they've got a timeline. They give you a timeline and I've got the timeline, you know, but that's just like, come on, man. And 
a couple of times the, the, uh, one of the editors had to be like, dude, just chill. <laughs> like you got to chill, man. Like we got, we, we also have like, you know, 12 other books we're working on right now. So, yeah. um, but no, it started, it went really well. It went, uh, right away. Uh, it was number one bestseller on Amazon. Um, that was pretty cool to see. I got like screenshots cause it's kind of cool to see my name and my book with like number one bestseller next to it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was cool. Um, it got picked. I know, uh, ultra running magazines doing a bit on it. Um, which will be cool. Uh, I'll be doing a more extensive tour coming up here this spring when kind of the season gets started again, I'm yeah, going to be man. bouncing around. I'll, I'll be out at Kettle Moraine, um, 100 doing sales. I was down at a place in council bluffs in December, uh, with Jason Coop. Do you know Jason Coop? I've heard it. He's a coach, right? He's like an ultra yeah. running coach. Yeah, I was I, I wasn't there with him. I just ended up being there with him. Um, he came in. It was great because he's in the book. Like because I use his stuff from Carmichael um, from CTS. Like he did a a little bit on uh, hit. Well, he Jason's the one that wrote the article on the um, um, exhaustion training. Oh yeah, yeah. Training on the overnight stuff. So he's he's mentioned in my book. And then uh, I'm going down to this book event at uh, at the Hitchcock 100. And a couple days beforehand. Uh, Ron, the race director, says, hey, Jason Coop's going to be here sitting next to you. And I was like, what? This is great. <laughs> so, yeah, I sat and chatted it up with him. And um, he knows everybody under the sun. So, yeah, he was it was cool to hang out with him. But, yeah, so that's been good. And um, now it's up for now the book's up for a couple of awards, too, uh, an independent publishing award and then a sports and recreation award. So I'll hear more about that. No way, man. That rocks. I didn't know yeah. that. That's, that's uh, as recent as two days ago. So that's cool, man. Congrats. That's huge. And I know you worked so hard on that. I mean, like I, writing a book's its own ultra marathon in my, in my opinion. Yeah. It was actually pretty great that I was out on that, um, that we had our kid. Cause I did most of it. It was, uh, I would, I would read to Megan and to, to Kian when he was like napping and stuff. Like I would be sitting in the chair typing yeah. and he was like in his little rocker and then I'd read stuff to Megan. And then we were both just editing and editing and going back and forth on stuff. And that's when I was able to really lock it down and get it done. So that's cool. Have you still been in contact with the people who are featured in your book? I'm tr just about everybody. And I've gotten to see some of them too, since then, um, Tony and Melissa, I got to see again, Gene, he comes over to, uh, his daughter lives here in Minnesota. So we try to hook up and go for runs. Doug comes over. I saw him at a race, Becca and I talk all the time. Uh, Lucas and I just chatted the other day. Lucas went uh, dark on on the interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we just chat every now and then over email. So I'm just trying to think if there's uh, Garrett. I haven't talked much to. Um, I thought maybe I would because I figured we'd go running a lot. We live. I think we live 15 minutes from each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, Jay uh, talked to him, and then every now and then I'll hear something from Vaughn. But uh, the most contact I have is probably with. Becca and Doug. That's cool, man. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. I, like I said, I even reread it once I had that. Cause you sent me a digital copy, but then I reread it once I had the physical copy. And I mean, I gotta yeah. say it's, it's, it's a, it's an entertaining read for sure. Oh yeah. And you know, it's an, e it's an easy read too. Yeah. That's the, that's the one nice thing about it too. It's not something that just gets so like dry or anything. It's, it's I think it's easy to read. Yeah, exactly. It's so, it's so funny. Someone asked me something about it one time and you know, I've never read the book. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never read the book from front page to back page. I read everything in there a million times. Yeah, exactly. But I've never read the book. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny how that works. I wonder that's if that's awesome. the same way it goes with like movies when people like do a movie. They I ever... bet, man. I bet. Cause like if you're in the editing room in a movie, like you probably don't want to watch it after a yeah. certain point, you know, or yeah. you maybe, you know, you might find in a couple of years, you might want to, go back and revisit it but yeah, yeah. so but yeah big big push on that i'll be in a bunch of running stores around and a bunch cool, of a uh, bunch of races all over the country too so i might find my way out to your area then too would rock yeah so yeah i would love that um yeah man uh i was that's crazy <laughs> i just like what kind of what running books have you enjoyed um anything from carno dean carnassus i like yeah. his stuff Awesome. Um, I just read run by him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's just uh, called run exclamation yep. point. Yep. I and have like that one on, 
on the cover of that book, that dude has quads that are bigger <laughs> than most people's like shoulders. So that book um, I have in my office at work because I have it it's signed by him. And uh, he, he's because I've met him a couple of different times, but I've got like the, the book is open and then it's got the uh, this where he signed it at. But I flipped the, the cover over. Yeah. And so that covers there too. And people come in and it's one of the first things. Then they're like, why do you have a half naked man with giant muscles on your, I'm like, that's Carno, man. Don't you say anything <laughs> about that. That's like, hilarious. I had the same kind of reaction when I, cause I, we were in a used bookstore in uh, Boulder, which I know is like the most Boulder thing to say, you know, <laughs> I was in a used bookstore, but whatever. And it was down the stairs and I picked it up and I was like, this is just like a half naked man in tiny shorts with quads bigger than like most tree trunks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're huge. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, any uh, other Jer- Scott Jerick stuff is good. Yeah. Um, North was great. Yeah. I got to chat. He was here a couple months back and we got to chat with him a little bit. I have uh, cool. good friends with the uh, manager at TC running company and they brought him in. So he let me come in early to, chat up with Scott a little yeah. bit um, beforehand. So that was cool. Um, other than that, you know, I like to read a lot of the stuff that, um, that uh, not like ultra running stuff, but like there's a book like the, uh, what's that book? Uh, like the rules of the runner. And it's like just funny quips of things that you can do if you're a runner, oh, um, cool. <laughs> those kind of things. Um, and then I don't do, I mean, I don't read much training. I like the adventure ones. I like Corey yeah. Reese's books are good. Um, just those kind of story inspirational ones. I, I like those kind of, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool, man. Well, I guess to kind of like wrap up here, I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely want to have you back on as, like when you're done with all the triple crowns, like, cause I'm sure you're going to have some, it might be like a four hour long podcast by that point. <laughs> it might be, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Any, any kind of like lasting piece of advice just from, if people are listening, I know for whatever reason, the 200 mile podcasts always seem to get extra attention um, Mm -hmm. from the people who listen to this. Uh, And like, I I think I've like kind of postulated before, like I think it's because there's not a whole lot of information about them at this point. And I think there's becoming more and more, but Mm -hmm. there is like a little, uh, like one piece of advice you would have for someone who's training or planning on doing a 200 miler, like, that you've heard or you experienced, like, what would that be? Like something they might not have even kind of thought of. Um, oh man, geez, you got me on the spot. Cause when my friend, my friend <laughs> Thomas, when he was like, you got to sleep on the trail and I was like, yeah, why would you avoid the nice beds? And he's like, you just got to do it. Cause it'll gotta, force you to keep going. You got to change your socks. Okay. Well, yeah, dude, you got freaking, uh, game <laughs> Yes. You got to change your socks and you got to stay focused. And here's the other thing too. I don't know. Maybe it's just this, and this might be me getting just a little bit more philosophical. It's going to hurt, but it's not going to hurt any less if you quit. Yeah. That's the thing. You're going to still hurt. And at the end of the day, um, and the other thing, if anyone's ever contemplating doing one of these, don't contemplate. If it's even a thought in your mind, just do it. Yeah. Seriously, you'll never regret it. I don't know anybody who, who said, oh man, I regret doing that. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, yeah, but yes, change your socks. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you went really philosophical, like philosophical, and then the other one's about socks. That's <laughs> well, pretty much sums up ultra running yeah. in general. It does in general. My God, the, the feet issues are the number one reason why people DNF in the community. Yeah. So really, yeah, feet so, issues. Feet issues. What? Like blisters and. Yep. That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right well ryan thank you so much for calling the show man awesome man thanks for having me again yeah all right guys that'll do it um for this episode of the show thank you ryan so much it's been super fun man like i've I've had three big long conversations with ryan and then a few shorter ones here and there but it's just funny like when you're in a conversation for an hour straight and you're giving 100% of your attention solely to that conversation like you do when you record a podcast um, You're like wow, man We've only spoke like three times for three hours and yet I feel like we're really good friends at this point um, Which is super cool. I think that's one of the interesting things about podcasting is 
you eliminate all the other distractions except the conversation. And so you're 100% engaged, 100% listening to the other person. And like, just look at that, man. Like what a cool connection that makes with somebody just by actually not being distracted, like eliminating your distractions. Like it makes such a deeper, like really interesting connection. And I think, you know, I do it all the time too with my phone. Like, you know, if someone, I try not to do it cause I'm like total, like it's part of the Midwestern part of me, right? Where if someone's talking, I'm like, don't check your phone. Like I'll get a text. I'm like, don't check it. That's rude, man. Like I have that little Midwestern uh, voice in the back of my head being like telling me what's rude and what's not rude. Uh, and I'm like, I know checking my phone in the middle of a conversation is super rude, so I won't do it, but you, it's just, there's a lot of distractions right now, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So giving 100% of your attention to another person, um, is one of the big benefits I've personally received from podcasting, um, because it's, it's teaching me and reminding me how important this this is, uh, how important it is. And it's making me a better listener uh, at the end of the day. Um, all that being said, Ryan's just a super cool dude. Uh, I've really enjoyed doing the episodes with him. Uh, I hope you guys check out his book. Um, and really, I hope you guys just support him. It's funny. He was talking about being a blue dot person, right? Like being a rooting for a blue dot as Ben Light was running his his like gigantic Wasatch and 200 miler thing. Um, and it's, it's, I hope you guys, I hope you do that. Like I love going on during these 200 milers and finding a few people who I, who I've met, um, and rooting for them. Like you truly, you run these events and you have people rooting for you. Um, probably more people than you even imagine, right? Like I doubt, uh, that Ben Light guy knew people were were cheering him along the way or like knew how many people were cheering him along the way and yet people were. And it's it's this thing where you draw this motivation, you, this inspiration because you're like, man, what are they going through right now? And how much more can I push myself? How much more can I ask of myself if these people are really struggling and facing struggle uh, in the bravest way possible, which is just pushing through it, man. Um, speaking of kids, uh, there's this book. It's my, it's one of my favorite books I read to my kids. Um, it's called, we're going on a bear hunt. And if you haven't read this book, it's about a family just going on an adventure through the woods, basically. Right. But they keep coming across these obstacles. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's mud, thick, oozy mud. And they're like, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh no we got to go through it. And then they walk through the mud, right? And they do this, like, it's that re repetition throughout the whole book. But I just love that so much. Like, there's obstacles that come up. You can't go over it. You can't avoid them. You can't go under it. Sometimes, man, you just got to go through it. And it's one of the most important things you can remind yourself during an endurance event is, like, man, I just got to go through this. Because the only way out is by going completely in because the only way out is really just getting through the event. Um, and so I always, I always remind myself of that when I'm doing a race. I actually remember doing an adventure race in Virginia with my friends, Calvin and Travis, and we're doing this like bushwhacking up this mountain and there's all these thorn bushes. And I was trying to like increase the motivation of the team. Right. Cause we were kind of feeling down at that point. And I started quoting that book. I'm like, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You got to go through it. And then you just run through all these bushes and we're like shirtless. And like, that's when I totally felt like a Bigfoot at that point. Um, and I'm sure they just looked at me like I was a crazy person. Like, I'm sure they're just like, oh my God, that guy, like <laughs> he just ran through some thorn bushes. But <laughs> I think just telling yourself that and knowing like, I'm going to be able to do much more then I think I can just by taking this thing on uh, is huge. And it, and that goes with anything in life. I mean, my wife and I right now, like our daughter's four days old and it's scary, right? Like there's so much to be scared or intimidated by. Or it's just this new, this big life changing thing um, of adding another person to your little family group. Um, 
but at the same time, it's so incredibly exciting where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, what's this adventure going to be like? I have no idea. And yet I'm on board. Like, let's do this adventure. <laughs> let's take this on. Um, and I've learned that through doing these endurance races, along with being a parent, along with being a husband, along with being a teacher. It's just this big, like, accumulation of life events that teaches you these lessons, uh, which is super cool. Um, and I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to my wife. Um, watching her, like everything a person has to go through to get a healthy baby, like to have a healthy baby is man. Like she's tougher than me, like hands down. She's way tougher than me. I don't know how else to say it. Um, as we were in the delivery room and all that stuff, like the poking and prodding everyone must do. Um, and then obviously like the whole having the baby experience and then all the pain afterwards. I mean, she's, she's incredible. Um, and even as I'm saying this, we're like four days removed. She's downstairs right now on our Peloton, uh, rocking out a few miles, um, trying to like get over some of this, a lot of the soreness she's been feeling. So, um, just huge shout out to her. She's, I hope she listened to this cause I'm going to get major brownie points, but, <laughs> but I'm feeling like the need to say this because that was amazing, man. Like I don't, it's hard to even put into words. And now we have this beautiful gift. And as we were looking at her, our sweet little baby, um, we are just like, it just feels like we have a complete family now, which is just incredible. So, all right. That being said, uh, I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, check out Ryan's book. I'll put the link in the show notes. Bigfoot. I always type in <laughs> Bigfoot 200 book on Amazon uh, and it'll come up. Uh, but you can order it from a whole bunch of different sites, uh, all sorts. It's basically all over the internet if you want to check that out. So uh, please do. Um, you'll be entertained. It'll actually put you in this experience, uh, through the perspective of a lot of other people, everyone from front of the pack, middle of the pack, back of the pack, everyone from people who finished, who didn't finish. You get to learn, especially if people are training for two hundreds or they're like, I want to know the pitfalls. Um, the book's great. It's kind of like Agatha Christie's and then there were none, right? Where there's 10 people starting off and slowly people <laughs> have to like, drop out along the way and they'll explain why and their reasonings. And the incredible part is most of them like Ryan are coming back for sweet, sweet revenge tour 2019, which I hope, uh, you guys all are on board for it. Cause I'll be cheering Ryan on every step of the way. So, um, and then obviously if these are events you want to sign up for, uh, it's destination, destination trails, or just look up Candace Burt. She's, uh, just amazing in her own right um she just finished a 200 miler i believe in australia so she can uh she can walk the walk too you know what i mean and uh <laughs> she can kick butt at 200 milers um along with just being amazing at putting these things together putting these events together keeping everyone safe um you know helping these people have this amazing adventure uh of a lifetime so uh, if you just look up her, you'll find all the races or destination trails, things like that. So, all right, man, uh, we'll get back at you next week. I hope you guys enjoy your week. Hope you're uh, striving to achieve something um, that seems scary and maybe even seems impossible to you because you guys can do it. You just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs>